Well, hello folks, and welcome to We the People. This hello. is, hello, this is the American Soccer Podcast, in which you're going to get to know everything that you need to know about the U.S. men's national team. I'm Clayton, I'm a rapper. I'm Ty, I'm a web designer. And we love the Nats. Now more than ever. Now more than ever. Back to the drawing board, baby. Let's figure this shit out. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. Folks, we have all bared, born, been witness to the greatest tragedy in uh, U.S. soccer recent history. Isn't that right, Ty? Indeed. It, it, it was uh, devastating, and then it was a week of what? A lot of listening, a lot of thinking, a lot of pondering, a lot of erasing and scratching out notes, a lot of forehead scratching and sweating, sometimes crying, sometimes merely misting. Forehead erasing. For, we erased our foreheads. <laughs> erased our minds. We've re- reconstructed them from scratch. And we're back, folks. We've drawn starting 11s in notebooks. <laughs> we have, uh, as promised, returned, reconvened after gathering our wits with uh, a little bit, a little bit of insight, maybe even some questions, um, maybe even a fishy report at some point. Who knows? You know, yeah, whatever. We'll see yeah. how this shit goes. Um, that's kind of what it's about, right? May as well change the show's name to Fishy Report. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For the next uh, three point five years. That's yeah. right. There'll there'll be a short there'll there'll be a short extended. No, seriously, who are these people during the 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 right, ran, right. that tournament? Or in maybe Russia. we should just start doing a Sharky report about the older <laughs> players who, who just might make it. Yeah, just just report back Michael about Bradley's been Jedi playing Michael well. Bradley. He might get back on the team. He might make it back. Yeah, he's playing we'll USL. See. He's got a beard now. One of his hands is a robot. All right. Anyways, folks, uh, welcome back. Reach out to us on Twitter at WTPPod uh, with your thoughts as we're breaking this down, after we're breaking this down and moving forward. Because, guys, this is about us. We're at a time right now where uh, nobody knows what is going to come next and everything we're experiencing is unprecedented. So let's gather together. Indeed. Let's use this interwebs and this podcast olio to uh, cast a new vision for what this team can be and what direction we can go. Um, you know, there's no game. There's no lineup to break down. But nevertheless, I still got to ask you, Ty, as, as, we've, as we've sat down today to uh, try to crystallize our thoughts. What are your first impressions? Yeah, well, um, I've heard a lot of takes uh, following the, the epic, horrific failure. So many takes. To qualify for the World Everyone's Cup. Everyone's got takes. Um, I think the, the number one thing that I want to clarify is it's not that going out of the World Cup was a good thing because it lets us reset. It's that it was a very, very horribly bad thing that also is an opportunity to reset. That's right. Um, I think those are those are getting conflated in the media a little bit. There's like basically two camps. There's the one camp that's like that's like this is exactly what we needed. Yes. <laughs> and oh, then no. there's the other camp oh, that's like no. what the hell are you talking about? What the about? fuck are you talking about? Yeah, and 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 to me to me it's not that clear a, a a dichotomy. It's like it's like, you know, it's like a like a, you know, accident or a fire or getting your house robbed or some other some other horrible thing that just puts you in a situation where all of a sudden like Oh yeah, you know, I can I can uh buy furniture all at once. Okay. <laughs> There's an insurance check that I get to spend all at once and now everything matches. <laughs> and that's the kind of situation. One might say I am going to make the best of this. Yeah, we can make the best of this. Uh, exactly. I think of it as as symptoms of a disease. So, going out of the World Cup is categorically bad for this team. There's no there's no way around that. That this right. is a bad event. This is bad. However, Real bad. uh we're now sick. We missed work, you know. Where it was—it's been a very, very, very uncomfortable day. Uh, but let's heal, right? That's the—that's the idea. And so, yeah. And 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 to build on that a tiny bit, um, Sunil said we're not going to make wholesale changes just because a ball was two inches to the left. Uh, I think referring to the Dempsey um, shot that hit the post. Yeah. Uh, and 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 that's not what we're doing. What what we're doing is we're saying, okay, this happened. We're not making these changes because this happened, 
but it does open up an opportunity to be introspective. And we have a head start on the rest of the world because all the other countries that we're going to try to be fighting for, uh, you know, actual World Cup success in 2022 and 2026 are busy preparing for this one. And so the opportunity that we have is the chance to get not only some game time uh, for our younger players, but to, to, to step back and reevaluate without such uh, immediate pressure on the next cycle, the next tournament. We realize right now that, that nothing matters except for the World Cup. And, and I, I'm hoping that people realize how precious and, uh, and valuable the World Cup is. I'm hoping that this, this um, miss drives that point home for people and makes people realize, like, what the hell are we doing here, you know? It absolutely will. And I think uh, there are – we've yet to see all the very obvious consequences that will come from this. Uh, And and I say obvious in the future tense. Um, You know, we'll see – we will see – we we are likely to see players, exciting players, decide not to play for the U.S., uh, having never seen us play in a World Cup, right? We will yep. likely we will we will likely see things like that, and and what that does to our psyche is is dangerous. Yeah, big time. And uh, and and for those of us who were around for for Donovan uh, scoring in the World Cup, we are we're gonna miss that. We're gonna see this World Cup happen without those kinds of moments, and and those are so difficult to calculate. Uh, but like you said, what this allows us to do is really try to figure out development, and I don't think. Uh, we should throw out the baby with the bathwater when it comes to what Jurgen did. I think when we look back, uh, we have all these extra youth tournaments now that we participate in. Uh, we have a greater emphasis on that. We have players connected to uh, the German league in a stronger way than they ever have been in the past. Is that true? It seems like that. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, definitely in the modern era. I, I, I guess perhaps earlier you might have had a similar number of pros, like you know, in the, in the nascent stages of MLS, but I don't, I don't even think so. Cause you've, you've got now, uh, and we have so, eight guys yeah. in the Bundesliga and, and we a, have and a bunch of kids as well. That's right. And we also have a generation of players in Josh Sargent and company yeah. that Starting are, early, uh, yeah. that are kind of the first generation <laughs> of the turnover from the change in the youth academy assist, uh, system in the States. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. And, and you see the U 17 team, um, representing a lot of that movement that that we'll we'll touch on so so i don't want to so i don't want to so abandon uh yeah. some of the some of the youth development we have done i think we've been getting better at it and i and i think now is an exciting time to finally cap that off um and i do yeah, think one exactly. of these days tab ramos is going to need to get some more credit than he gets big time big time i think i think when when the history book is written on the 2026 world cup win um you know, Tab's Tab's going to be a major character in that book, um, but and and so to speak to that, uh, I'm being a little bit facetious, but but not really because we have a premise on on this show and in this podcast in particular, which is that the point is winning World Cups. That's right. It's not it's not to fight valiantly and you know growing the growing the game in this country is is the stated purpose of uh, U.S. soccer according to their mission statement. Um, but but for us, and I think for most of the fan base, I mean, let us know on Twitter or Facebook if you disagree with this. Uh, but for us, the point is to win World Cups. And that, that goes for both the women's side and the men's side. Um, and so what we have done is gotten our heads together and tried to start to think of some ways that we can actually foster a World Cup winning team, a World Cup winning men's team from this country, and also that we can prevent the uh, women's team from falling behind. And we don't cover the women's team because we know jack shit, even less than we know about the men's team, uh, about the women's team. And that's an egregious, uh, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> error that we will have to correct someday. But, um, but, but we can see just from our, our uneducated perspective that, you know, uh, if you look at the Olympics, uh, if you look at, you know, the, the World Cup win, uh, certainly certainly is is what was a strong performance overall but they were one Celia Sausage penalty away from going out of that tournament in the in the semifinal phase so um you're you're seeing the world kind of catching up to the US and you're seeing teams able to uh to to compete on a on a higher level than they ever were before and it feels like you know we could find ourselves in a situation like Uruguay has for example where Uruguay came out of the gate in the in the 30s and 40s won the first two world cups 
because they were one of the first countries to really embrace the game, had the first World Cup there. Um, but they fell behind. And so we could be in that situation in the men's right. in the women's game as right. well. What's what's one thing that you would you would uh, you would urge people to focus on or, or approach this problem uh, with? Okay, so I'll try to I'll try to give it a, a good three minute explanation of my overall uh, theory. So essentially, the situation that we're in in this country is that we do not have aligned incentives on the road to building a team that's capable of winning the World Cup on the men's side and continuing that success on the women's side. We have a number of different uh, factions, um, people in different phases of the, of the pipeline that each have their own incentives, but those incentives are not properly uh, calibrated to lead to the greatest possible outcomes. So you have MLS who have their own interests. You have a youth setup that has their own interests. You have U.S. soccer, which has their own interests. And you have players themselves, kids themselves, who have their own interests. Um, and currently, the way that the incentive schemes are aligned in this country is to get the most players to have a college scholarship. Yikes. And, and here's the thing, like, and never forget, the, you know, college is wonderful and that's great. We're not saying people shouldn't wa- want to go to college and, or use their soccer skills to go to college. We're just saying that's not how it works in other countries that are good at soccer. And we can figure out how to get everybody an education after, you know, we just have to arrange this whole Precisely. shit the right way. Precisely. And it's not that going to college is a bad outcome, um, but you have to realize that there are also uh, a, there's also a giant population of, of youngsters in this country who don't have uh, dreams of going to college. I think the, the actual number is around 55% of uh, graduating seniors now go to college. And so That's low. Uh, there's, there's an entire swath of America that doesn't have this particular social impetus uh, that, is, that is driving the, play, uh, the pay-to-play system and is driving uh, the way that MLS is set up. And if, if, if all we wanted was to have a, a nice, pleasant league of, of so-so players mixed with some foreign stars, I think we're doing great. But if we want to win the World Cup, we need to have higher quality youngsters. And the number one way to do that is to have more youngsters getting more touches on the ball. Um, and so there, there are some other tweaks that we can make along the chain that will develop that population of young players into a more, uh, uh, more uh, strong you know, youth teams, more strong professionals who go abroad for more money, et cetera. But I think the number one thing that, that U.S. soccer has to inculcate is a groundswell of kids who are playing the game. And I'm not talking about playing the game on Saturday in a paid league. I'm talking about kids who love taking a ball and going to the park and playing. Because to me, there is no replacement. <laughs> it's so funny for that in America, informal you, time. It's so funny that in America, you have to break down the idea of like informal recreational play. It's like, wait, it's not on a schedule? Like, I'm not scheduled in after my after-school program? Well, well, it's not in certain segments of society, the segments of society that uh, our soccer culture has targeted so far. There you go. But it, it, it is so it what is you're saying, Yeah, so what you're saying, society. and truth be told, I, I would come from that uh, segment of society. So what you're saying is there's a whole yeah. untapped... There's a whole untapped part of America that is there, that is uh, living life, loving things, doing things extremely well, and it's just not soccer. And so all we got to do is uh, change this, change this psychology. Um, and there are some ways to do that, but I, but I fully agree with you that at the heart of this, there's, there's, uh, there's, there are easy solutions to these enormous problems. Just, but just well, in the way I don't that think we it's can easy. approach. <laughs> I don't think it's easy, but I think, I think, there is. It is pivotal. And I'll say this. If we change nothing except that we get 100%, we double the amount of kids who are playing soccer casually, regularly. If we double that number, we will have in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, a demonstrable uh, effect on the national team's performance. That's, that's at the crux of my sort of uh, theory of how to fix this situation, is that the more kids are playing casually and getting more touches every day, the better our program will be. So how because, do we do that, these, though? How do we, teams... how do we do that? How do we make it so that there are, are more people playing the game? Because isn't it, isn't it so that in America there are other sports with stronger roots culturally? And, yeah. and, how, do, and how and why, really, do we, how, can we justify this? You know what I mean? Like, so, so just in I, general, like, how, do you, how do you change people's minds about this? I think there are, there are two 
uh, practical things that, that constitute my entire platform in modifying this social behavior. Is that every child in America should have a soccer ball and a safe place to play soccer. That's it. That's not so hard. Well, there are 82 million uh, <laughs> people under 18 in the U.S. Uh-huh. as of the last count. Um, 82 million people is a hell of a lot of people. Uh, the goal would be to reach all of them, knowing that we can't necessarily reach all of them. But the way that social movements start is with a persistent focus on a particular goal. And so I think if you take that overall desire that more kids are playing casual soccer more often... Um, and you focus on those, those interim, very practical, tactical maneuvers of every kid has a ball, preferably with a U.S. soccer logo on it. <laughs> every kid has a safe place to play. I think those are the tools that we need to put in place that will allow that overall strategy to coalesce because there's, kind of, there's two aspects to it. One is that soccer is just not a part of people's lives. Soccer, soccer right. is, is, is swimming or you know, pentathlon or whatever to, to a great amount of America. And, and, you know, the U S uh, when we played in the world cup uh, last year, I think the, the uh, top rated game was one of the group games, Portugal, I think, cause it was on a Saturday. Um, and that got like 20 some million viewers. So you're still talking under 10% of the American population that, that, that watched that game. And so people look at that and they say, well, it did better than the NBA finals, yada, yada. But ultimately, our market penetration is, is minuscule. And a big reason for that is people just look at this as a foreign, weird kind of uh, pursuit, you know? And, and so, 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 so what are you suggesting? We, we just uh, get all these families some soccer balls? Yeah, so I have some very practical uh, outlines. I've gone through the U.S. soccer uh, finances. They, they're a, a nonprofit, and so therefore their financial statements are uh, available Woo! to the public. Fire emoji. Um, uh, U.S. soccer has uh, $94 million in cash and securities. So, so this is liquid, liquid funds. Uh, and I don't propose that U.S. soccer spends this money entirely because I think it's important that U.S. soccer be well-funded and be very safe and insulated from, uh, from disaster. But the thing is, U.S. soccer has started to behave like a mature, steady, veteran company. And that's all thanks uh, to Sunil. That's in place. All that shit is yeah. in place and, and wasn't Which is great. before. But in the grand scheme, in the world scheme, U.S. soccer is still a startup. And U.S. soccer needs to behave like a startup. And what you do when you're a startup is when you begin to accumulate cash, you don't just hold that cash and, 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 and keep it for safety, you reinvest that cash in your mission and in your product. So in Silicon Valley, if you're a venture-funded company and you, take, you, you start to make a little bit of money, it's actually frowned upon to start turning a profit because your investors want you to take that money and double down on the plan that they believed in to begin with. Right. Because we're not looking for, for 2x returns, 3x returns. We're looking for 10x, 50x returns right. on that investment. And so that is the mentality that I think U.S. soccer needs to take is that this money is in the bank, but we don't have kids playing out in the park. And so how do we convert some of this cash into that behavior? So I have, I have two core plans uh, to, to, to do that, to meet, to meet the goal that I mentioned. So I would have U.S. soccer spend $25 million over five years, $5 million a year, um, to partner with a retailer, a large retailer, U.S. Soccer recently started a partnership with uh, Target, um, so Target would be a, a potentially good, you know, partner for this kind of thing. To manufacture and and distribute soccer balls to anyone who wants them. So you can go into a Target and you can get a soccer ball for free. Better yet, if if it proves to be more effective. We can get a little van, a little, a little Red Bull truck that drives around <laughs> and hands soccer balls out on the street. It's playing dank-ass beats. You, gotta see, you should see these soccer balls everywhere. And they should, they should be, you know, red, white, and blue colored, little U.S. soccer logo, little Target logo. Yeah. So, so this is something, and I looked into manufacturing costs for these. Uh, on Alibaba, you can get a soccer ball made for between $1 and $2. 
So, so if you if you consider it that uh, you know the sponsor is going to have some part um, in the manufacturing cost, call it a dollar a ball. So we start distributing five million soccer balls a year. <laughs> Guys, I think this is fucking genius. I'm not going to lie. I, I, you know, just the, just the, it's, it's so simple. It's such a great idea to just to just spend a, this cash on physically putting soccer balls everywhere. <laughs> just make. And it I have happen. I have an example. I have an example of why this is effective. So, oh yeah, what's your uh, what's the example? There's, there's an organization called the American Bible Society, and their goal uh, they started in the in the early nineteenth um, uh, century. Their goal was to increase readership of the Bible, and they didn't do that by you know paying the twenty three you know uh, most faithful people to go read the Bible in public and hope that everybody else watched and wanted to do it. They did it by giving people Bibles. Right. You just give it to them. And they put them everywhere. You see, those little baby, been... you see those little green Bibles all over the place in hotels and stuff? That's right. And that, it's and, just and part so... of life. And, and, and I would love to know the numbers uh, on that, like how, what their effect actually was on the readership, but it's got to be big. Yeah. And, and, you know, Think about it. Does every American have access to a Bible if they want it? Absolutely. Absolutely. No problem. Do you think that, don't, can't you see how that would have a major effect on the way that our culture works? Right? So it sounds like what you're saying is that, uh, is that we have to, for a second, take a break from the way in which we've approached this. Right. Exactly. The way in which we've covered this team, the way in which we've been fans of this team has been about the games. It's been about the, yep. the, the tactics. It's been about the Sunil. player choice. It's been about Sunil, uh, the paychecks, which is actually that one's super important. Um, but <laughs> so keep thinking about that one. But but it sounds like what you're saying is like we, we just got to take a deep breath and realize that this is just this is a game. You know, and we and and it's it's something that we we love and we want to share and spread with other people because it's good and wonderful, and awesome, and uh, and for a second let's approach it from the very most base and basic levels, which are which yeah. are having us let's just play the game, and that includes us too, right? It's not just the kids. It's not just getting telling kids to play. It's us too. I'm never going to be a professional soccer player. Maybe I will, you know, whatever. <laughs> but exactly. Well, but so, I, sh you know, I can do my part too by by just getting out there and playing. And and how refreshing is that of a take? How different is that of a take uh, to come at this this uh, problem with? Exactly. So I came into this talking about incentives. What we are doing when we give a kid a ball is we are allowing them to gain the fun of playing the freaking game. That's right. right? So kids aren't just sitting home, you know, not playing soccer because they, they wouldn't. It's because they don't have the opportunity. And even if it's not a ball, it's that there's no space. So that is the, the, the second prong in my bottom of the funnel uh, approach to fixing this problem and building better national teams is that kids need a safe place to play soccer. The beauty of soccer is that you can play it almost anywhere. Um, and, and, you know, we've seen some, some beautiful, like, aerial photography of uh, uh, little street courts in, in uh, South America, for instance, that are, like, octagonally shaped or have, like, little bumps <laughs> in them and things like that. And it's, like, it's like all the better. The, the weirder, the better. And so my proposal is that uh, U.S. soccer would spend another $5 million, uh, $5,000 in uh, 1,000 municipalities in the U.S., to build small-sided spaces, not fields, not fields with paint on them. I'm thinking pretty much plastic barriers yeah. with U.S. soccer logos on them around two nets. The nets are very simple, and they say, all welcome, no fighting. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and you partner with a municipality. So when a municipality is building a park, they put a tennis court in, they put a baseball field in, they should put in one of these two. And U.S. Soccer should say, we'll buy it for you, we'll ship it to you, you just find 80 square feet, 100 square feet to put this in. Yeah. And what you do is you create a touch point for people who want to play. Because right now, if you're interested in going, to, going out to play soccer, 
you know, maybe you because you live in uh, in Beacon Hill, Seattle. But most people listening to the show think of where would I go if I was a kid and I wanted to go play soccer right now? Where would I go? Yeah, it's like a twenty-five minute drive. You got to get on the yeah, twenty-five minute drive to a rec field, right? Where where people might not be. And so what you do is you create this third place, you know, uh, not home, not school, a separate place where kids can congregate around an interest in playing soccer. Yep. And, and moreover, the, the larger community can congregate. So, so you integrate soccer into the idea of what it means to grow up in America. Because why are we really doing this, folks? Why? Reach out to us on Twitter at WTPPod. Tell us. Why are we really doing this? It's because we love this game. This game is wonderful. Exactly. Don't forget that. Exactly. So as much as it pisses me off when nobody <laughs> gives a fuck that the U.S. went out of, the, out of the World Cup, and as much as it bothers me that people can understand so many complicated games, but they just can't understand the beauty of soccer, I, 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 I choose and I try to choose on a daily basis uh, and I think we all should, not to be angry and not to be standoffish, but instead just to try to share how awesome this game is. Because if we shut up at, in, about the, the, the flopping and the time-wasting and we just watch the game together and play the game together, there is a magic that happens. And some would call exactly. it a sacred thing, this game that we love. And it is the game yeah. that are, are all over the world we have come together over. Um, so don't forget that, dudes. Don't forget how awesome the product is that we're peddling, man. It's soccer. And, and that's why I am, I am guiltless about the fact that I want to distribute a, a substance to children. <laughs> you know? Get addicted what to I, this, What I kids. want is for, is, is for more kids to have a better livelihood and a better, a better upbringing because the game is involved. That's right. And that because they have access <clears throat> to the game. And so to my, to my point, there's a very important word in my plan, which is a safe place to play safe so how i'm not do you sure what it, it takes to make yeah. a safe place to play what is what does that but mean i know do you that need that staff is critical there? in the overall concept because there are so many children in this country who do not have a safe place to do anything it's true and that is a tragedy it's something that the in the rest of the world soccer is a savior to kids who are in that kind of position because soccer gives people social mobility Soccer gives people the opportunity to transcend their circumstances, support their families in a way that they never would be able to otherwise. And that is something completely absent from the way that the game runs in the U.S. So you look at, you look at this plan. Instead of having, uh, you know, we want, we want youth teams to get better. We want to get rid of pay-to-play and things like that. But the way to do that is to create a generation of kids that's three, four, five times larger than it otherwise would be of kids who are prepared and motivated and in love with the game, on fire for the game, who, who just, you know, their favorite thing is to go out after school and play. That's right. And we just don't have that at all. We, we, we currently have a, a top-down system. This harkens back to the point that Bobby Warshaw made on this show, which was, was talking about just those touches, you know. So our players yeah. are going home and playing FIFA, and that's not because they're uh, bad kids. It's, it's just, ugh, how do I say it's this? It's where would you play? Where are you going? Yeah. You know? And, so, and then especially when you look at some of the densest population centers in our country, those are places where we're completely missing a huge amount of the, the, the populace. Right. Because they don't have a place to play. So, you know, it's, it, it, to, me, to me, this is a way to, you know, uh, what do we say? Uh, house two birds with one birdhouse. That's right. Yeah. Because we have, we, have a, we have a population who is extremely underserved, and we have a very affordable way to, to serve them. And like we mentioned... Um, uh, uh, oh, did we talk about shopping malls? I can't remember. But I was literally thinking, put one of these things in a freaking shopping mall, you know? Get a little net around it. You mean indoors we'll in a mall? Yeah, oh, indoors in a mall. That would be so tight. Imagine being a kid popping out a Hot Topic, kicking a ball around for a little bit. That would and, be and, the best. And, and, and you don't even go there necessarily to do that, but kids see it and they want to play. Yeah, you just join in. And you, you, you create a culture where it's okay to just show up and want to play. And you have to imagine um, that, that if you, is what is sorely missing right now. That is what is missing. And you have to imagine that if you have that 
generation of people who just the numbers just the numbers you know some portion of them become pros and some portion of those pros become good players that's great and we're all going to watch that but think about all the players all the people that come out of that uh and and move on to be so to speak regular people you know do other things um yeah those people are gonna are just are like you and me for instance like starting this podcast and building this culture you know people who love the exactly. game and have been involved with the game and understand the game and care about Total it. soccer show guys yeah exactly just that's that's how you play wreck those yeah. those people are involved too like it's not just all about uh, building up players. It's also about just building up the community around the game and, and the understanding of the game. Exactly. And that, that to me is why my mind doesn't go to the national teams and it doesn't go to the marketing. It doesn't go to anything but getting more kids interested at a baseline level and making the game available to them. Because I think a soccer culture doesn't come from Jurgen Klinsmann coming in and saying, you play like this now. It comes from the the, the tiny little... <laughs> that is a very good point. It's a very good point. It comes from yeah. millions and millions of people. This is how culture works. You know, you think about American culture. American culture isn't just because one person at the top says to behave a certain way. It's because we all share certain characteristics. Those characteristics are expressed through the culture. This emergent thing that comes out from all of us collaborating it to, to solve social problems, to work together, right? That's right. And that's how U.S. soccer should be. We should create this huge generation of kids who love the game, and whatever culture they come up with, that's our culture. Whatever style they play, that's our style of play. Nietzsche said that, that, that we should look to the children for wisdom more than the older people. Endured. I'm sure, and I'm so sure I have he one said final that at some key. point. I have one final key to this point. Uh... There is, this generation of kids, uh, there's 82 million um, Americans under 18. Uh, 87% of teenagers, 14 to 18 year olds, have smartphones, according to a a research paper from eMarketer. 87%? 87% of 14 to 18 year olds have smartphones. That's a number that is only going to go up, and I haven't seen numbers for 10 to 13, but I'm sure that's on the rise as well. So a, another key factor in this is developing a mobile application for U.S. soccer that provides the connection point between these physical spaces and kids. And not just kids, but, but the population at large. So currently, there, are, there is a, a, a fractured and a nascent category of, uh, of app that lets you, you know, organize pickup games. But it's usually that. It's like organizing a game to occur at a certain time in a certain place. Right. So what I'm hoping for is that in accordance, in, or sorry, in addition to creating these physical spaces, that there's an application that integrates with those physical spaces. So you, when you get to the, to the field, you check in at the field using your application. That pings your friends to tell your friends that you're playing. And what you can do with that is incentivize kids to tell you how often they're playing. Mm. And what you can do with that, that makes is say, it cool. This kid, this kid over here, this kid in, in the in the middle of Indiana is playing a thousand hours a year. He should get a call up. Yeah, let's see it. Let's see so, him. So invite people who demonstrate their 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 dedication to the game into the national team setup. Give them tryouts. Another idea is have national team players show up. At the pickup games. Oh, that'd be awesome. So remember when in the middle when of the Thierry mall Henry in was doing that shit in, in like Chinatown exactly. or in something New York. in New York when we, we were in high school? That was like the coolest. It was like futsal games with Thierry Henry yeah. when he first came to the Red Bulls, man. That that lit exactly. shit up. That was so cool. So we say, we say hey, uh, the, the Philly area, we have five co- uh, courts in the Philly area. They're on fire. Everybody's using them all the time. And we can tell because of the app. Yeah. So we're going to have a friendly in Philly, and our players are going to go play pickup. <laughs> That's such an awesome idea. I would love that. How so, do you think the players would take that? I, well, they better get on board because <laughs> they make a heck of a lot of money playing for this team. Yeah. <laughs> another point that we'll get to. Just do it, guys. Um, but so, so, it's a good so idea. This is, the, this is another aspect of it, is the, it of, of startup mode, right? U.S. soccer has, has evolved into being just a crappier version of a lot of the federations around... I shouldn't say that. 
we love you as soccer. We do. But they, they're, they're not old enough to stop being imaginative, you know? Yeah. And we're living in an era where there is just unbridled opportunity that comes through technology and through, through um, and its, its ability to enact social change. You know, you just look at the way that American companies have been able to influence global culture through technology. Absolutely. And where is, where is U.S. soccer in that? Where is the sport of soccer in that? It's an opportunity. It's one of the, the, these, these kind of uh, blue zone opportunities that soccer has in this country because the traditional sports aren't doing it. They're not getting it done. Traditional sports are complacent because they make so much freaking money and they don't have to compete globally. Our leagues don't have to compete globally. MLS does, but our other leagues don't. So, so this should be fostering innovation. And we're not talking about a, a, a huge expense either, because if you were to spend, say, a million dollars to acquire uh, an application like this, maybe you spend another million dollars a year uh, making it amazing, um, that's, that's the kind of money that it would take to really start a significant social movement. Um, and, and I don't see it happening. It's interesting the comparison to the other leagues. So, so we have, without a doubt, the strongest leagues in the world at a number of sports other than soccer, right? Baseball, football. Exactly. Uh, let's see. The other ones. The other ones. <laughs> Those other. Fun. The one with the sticks. <laughs> <laughs> what about hockey? Maybe I don't know. Is there a bigger <laughs> league in hockey? So, so you're saying that no, we sir. have an opportunity here in the sport of soccer to innovate our sports, our approach to sports in general and what sports can mean for yeah. our culture and, and how the business of sports can operate in our society in general because we're competing overseas in this sport. We're, we're young fish in, in, in this sport and, and it gives us the opportunity to really grow and change and innovate and try something new like using an app to get these kids to, to, to have these kids play. And I was thinking if you have that little ding where the, the, you know the kids the kids then would know when other kids are playing and then they have fear of missing out, you know, and it becomes cool. Exactly. That's, that's, that's I, I very wanna, important. I want to get away from just talking about kids, though, because I, you know, I said that, but it's really about everybody. And these are right. spaces that aren't just for kids, they're for everybody. They're for everyone. And so that's, that's kind of our, uh, our call to action for, for the U.S. soccer faithful uh, at this time of great darkness. If you're following us on Twitter, you've seen me posting pictures. Me and my kids have been going out, bringing our little goals to empty spaces near yeah, our house. Yeah, that's awesome. And we made a little sign that says, <laughs> all welcome, so please play. And it has a picture of a soccer ball. All welcome, please play. The number play. one thing that you can do to help U.S. soccer, to help the U.S. M&T, if you love the U.S. M&T, is play pickup. Let's do because it, boys. even if U.S. soccer doesn't drop the $5 million that I'm recommending on small-sided spaces around the country... Um, we have space. We have the opportunity to, to have soccer be a normal and, and typical part of culture. And it, it, the reason it's not happening is because all of us who love the game so much aren't out there doing it. So if you want the USMNT to get better, tonight, get your ball, go to your local field, and kick it around and see what happens. Love it. Folks, that's, that's all it takes. It's... it's it's not hard. Hashtag like I was saying, Ty, Ty said it might be hard. I think it's easy. I think it's easy. I think there are things that we can do in this life to absolve our problems uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a manner that is, that is uh, elegant and smooth. And, and usually the true solutions to our conundrums end up being a little simpler than we think they need to be. Indeed. Indeed. And I, I have um, to move up the funnel a little bit. Uh, it's getting a little bit long show-wise, but I'll, I'll go quick. We're doing all right. Um, some half-baked ideas to throw out to you. Uh, youth teams <laughs> Folks, obviously if you like need half-baked to... ideas, uh, if you like half-baked ideas, review us on iTunes. <laughs> it's the number one way. We'll bake. Well, we can either fully bake these ones or we can half-bake more. <laughs> <laughs> either way. <laughs> if you like us on Twitter. Uh, so so here's, here's a half-baked idea. There's a, there is a fully baked idea, which is solidarity payments, which is legal in every country except for the United States, which means that when a player uh, transfers from club to club, that um, the youth teams that that player played for get a cut of the payment. Obviously, that needs to happen. There's a, there's a pending lawsuit uh, right now that's trying to make that happen. Okay. Um, the youth teams are, are suing. Are suing uh, it's either FIFA or U.S. soccer. I can't remember. 
who is mandating this. I think it's U.S. Soccer. Um, that they should get some cut of uh, it's DeAndre Yedlin's transfer in particular. So it would represent, I think the figure was like $250,000 to uh, Crossfire Premier, which is where huge. Yedlin played as a youngster. Huge. And that's huge. And so there is another revenue stream that I think uh, should be implemented, which is that when people play for the national team, their youth teams should be compensated. Hmm. Same so as the pro. Not... Same as the pro team. Solidarity for the Nats. Solidarity. And, and the reason for that is, first of all, U.S. soccer has incentive for these uh, organizations to be self-sustaining. Currently, the only way for them to be self-sustaining is by charging parents, which means that the only kids who can play for these elite youth teams, uh, you know, Deanza Force and, and, and Crossfire and uh, Gachi here in, here in uh, New York area, um, these, these programs, is the, the only people who can do that are people who can afford the payment. That's the pay-to-play system that everybody's been complaining about. But everybody says, end pay-to-play, end pay-to-play. That's ridiculous. You can't just tell them not to charge how are they going to continue operating? <laughs> so you have to you provide to, some other stream. Yeah, so, so U.S. soccer needs to devote some of that surplus into helping these youth teams disconnect from the, the revenue funnel of paying parents. Which, and it's not that all parents can't be paying. It's that, it's that these youth teams need to be incentivized to go to the small-sided spaces. This is another area where the app comes in. There's 20 kids playing in, in, a, in a park somewhere. Yeah. Uh, a youth team can go and look and see who's doing well. So, um, so, so these youth teams need to be uh, it, separately incentivized to develop national team players beyond just the paying, uh, paying customers that they have right now. And if there was that pool of revenue, there would even be more youth teams that would rise up because there's this revenue stream that is allowing them to exist and, you know, f- for free and develop players because they have this opportunity of revenue down the line, Right. Yeah, just create um, so, more and, and opportunity. This is just the start and it, of it. it feeds back into what you were saying that if 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 this is our approach, you know, feeding into the future of the game, then we may as well spend that money now. You know, why sit on it when we can when we can toss it into these youth teams and, and encourage them to create some product, get some fruit growing. Exactly. And my 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 kind of game plan for this would be focus right now on grassroots stuff, like buying kids soccer balls. In Three, four, five years. Start focusing on youth teams, and the 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 MLS academies. Making sure the MLS academies have everything they need. Making sure that these independent youth teams have everything they need. Then in eight, nine, ten years, focus on the top of the funnel. Focus on MLS. Right. Focus on the way that our national team works. Focus on making better decisions as a as a uh, national team. So is that, it that is coincidentally it happens to match with a potential twenty twenty six World Cup right. in the U S. Right. So, so you, you've, you've got the whole thing mapped out. There's a little chronology. Is it possible that we're, we could get such unilateral clarity on vision from, from the current situation in America, like with the USSF or, or whatevs? Uh, I think so. I mean, I, I think that that is why this is such a, there, there's such a silver lining to this situation, you know, because I think the U.S. has become complacent over these last couple cycles to say, well, we're going to, we're going to try hard we're gonna we're gonna run our asses off we're going to bleed on the field maybe most most likely we'll make the round of 16 and everyone's you know dreams have been sated and and we can you know do it again yeah so so this is the kind of thing that that lets us wake up and realize like whoa we still have so far to go and if the if the mission of u.s soccer is to promote the game in this country they have so far to go and and these are the kind of opportunities that need to be considered i don't i don't think there's a there's enough uh, there's enough impetus in this country for, for these things to happen. And that, that comes from all of us, um, you know, demanding, demanding change. But I, to me, it's not a situation where you have to, you know, just chuck out the guy at the top. Uh, I think that's a pretty silly way to go about it. It's more that the entire, like, organizational alignment needs to be shifted, and that comes from the public as well. It absolutely does. Ty, can we do a quick, can we hear a sound real quick and then do one of those quick uh, little fishies? Because I want to know what's going on with those U-17s. Yes. Okay, so I've, I have two more half-baked ideas. Maybe you, you can tell us on Twitter if you care to hear more about these half-baked ideas. <laughs> uh, one is that um, soccer games don't make enough money there because there are not enough commercials. Uh, this baseball is has 18 a- commercial breaks. 
Football has like a thousand. Football's half commercials. <laughs> the reason why these sports are so rich is because they have hella commercials. Makes period. sense, right? And so soccer, incidentally, has started introducing a water break to many games that occur in hot conditions, and they do two breaks. But the camera just pans out, and the commentators talk for a little while. They should just split the game into quarters. Yeah. And get triple the commercials in there. So you're talking about for the MLS or for the Nats or what? For the all of FIFA? For both. I mean, for all of FIFA. But the U.S. should, should be pushing for greater revenue generation like this. Uh, next idea, the U.S. should have a shirt sponsor. Like England. Uh, Got to make more money. We have to help the Federation make more money. And that's the second call to action for, for you. If you like U.S. soccer and you want the U.S. M&T to be better... Watch MLS games on TV and buy the shit that they have on the commercials. Get that, like, Chia Pet thing. <laughs> buy, buy Nationwide. I have never heard Get this Continental tactic. Tires. So you gotta, we got to make their ads effective. Make their ads effective and make, make the whole pie of MLS bigger. <laughs> because if MLS has more money, they're able to devote more money into academies. Able to, you know, and then, and then for U.S. soccer, if U.S. soccer has more money, that's more balls for Nash, for. for for uh with this partnership so so every dollar that that you can pump into u.s soccer if they're spending it effectively you know this is a two-sided thing but if they're spending it effectively your dollar will go to to contributing to the national team's future success that's right um and i have one more wtp idea more balls what's your what's your last half-baked idea quarter this one's quarter baked so quarter baked barely have a this one's we have a 300 million person uh country and we play these friendlies against, you know, 4 million person countries, 10 million person countries. And it's kind of silly because we have, we're, we're apples and oranges uh, in the international game with a lot of these countries. Not to say that we're better. Clearly we're not. We should be, but we're not. But we're very different. And so it strikes me that we should have a middle ground between playing for an MLS team and playing for the national team. So my, my quarter-baked idea is to have four national teams. There is a East Coast, Central, West Coast, and International U.S. men's national team. It's <laughs> so awesome. They play a play, little tournament, play a little Nike-friendly the, they tournament. Can play a, yep, they can play a summer tournament, like, say, next summer when we're not doing anything. But they can also play friendlies. So think about the international team. The, the international U.S. men's national team, uh, can play a friendly in Finland while, let, or, or let's just say we do two. We do a domestic and an international, right? The domestic team can play a friendly against Guatemala in the States while the international team is playing a friendly against Finland. I love this idea so much, and I love it because one of the major problems we have with this team is that tension between and tension between the whether to go abroad or whether to stay at home, and even the tension between players coming from abroad, foreign locations, and 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 playing uh, for the Nats, and and everyone's got so many different situations and there's so many different opinions about it. Let's introduce that into, let, let's embrace that as part of our Americanism. We have this very kind of conflicted, uh, fragmented sort of landscape of perspectives right now. And, and let's turn that into an awesome thing and have, uh, have that competition be something that we embrace and encourage in a, in a friendly and loving manner, you know, as opposed to being like under the table and understated and weird and in interviews and shit, let's put it on the field. Let's have foreign versus domestic once a year on the field, like, and, and just celebrate that and shake hands and hug afterwards and see who can really play. Um, exactly. Yeah, just just have fun with that. It, it, uh, let's stop being insecure about the the ways in which we already are, and 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 embrace them. And I think uh, yeah. yeah, the 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 domestic abroad dispute is one of those. There's so many. Po I want to talk for like twenty more minutes about that idea because I think I think there's something to it, even though it's absolutely insane. Um, but uh, tell us on Twitter from these half baked ideas, what do you think is worth exploring more? And we'll think about it more, and we'll come to you with a clear. Uh, clear, you know, uh, message about about them or strategy around them. <laughs> we'll just um, continue working this out. I mean, this is what we're yeah. here for. You know, we 
we uh, we created this pod at some point thinking maybe we'd get to follow this team in Russia, maybe, perhaps, and that didn't happen. But now we're here and, and it's time to just work it out. So so now as we go here. along, like we don't we don't we have no reason to uh, we, we have no need to have this all solved today. We've made some progress, folks. We've, con- we've reconvened, and we shall convene again. And the, the process doesn't stop next episode or the episode after that. It's a, it's a kind of a rolling uh, life type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know what you're saying. Hashtag play pickup. Hashtag number play one pickup. thing that you can do. Has, and, WTP, um, more balls, play pickup. If, uh, if you like our show... The best thing you can do is is uh, leave a review on iTunes. Thank you to all your beautiful it-tunes. reviewers. iTunes. Um, now uh, the the fishies. Yes. Welcome to the fishy report. Fishy report. Welcome to the fishy report. Woo! So there there has been there has been a glimmer of hope because of the the events that have been going on in uh, in India in the Under Seventeen World Cup. I think the last time we talked about them was after their opening victory against uh, India, uh, the home team. Uh, a ho- uh, talk about a hostile atmosphere. Uh, these kids didn't give a shit, and they won 3 nothing in that game. They went on to win the second game against Ghana. Uh, Ghana missed a, a, a hat load, pant loads of chances, um, and the U.S. came away with a one nothing win. Cargo pants, UFO short and, load. And, uh, and they lost their last game against uh, Colombia, which knocked them cruelly into third place in the group because everybody beat India. Jeez, oh, how's that possible? Uh, crazy maths. And so they were in third place, uh, and they, they uh, had uh, Paraguay in the quarterfinal. Not the quarterfinal, sorry. The round of 16 game. Um, and they won 5 nothing. Yes, Thanks who to a, a hat trick from, uh, from young Timothy Weah, son wow. of George Weah. Tight. Um, and uh, they they were scintillating, but the the real star of the show was was Andrew Carlton, who came back into the middle. Uh, he started there in the India game and then was out wide the other two games. Uh-huh. Um, and he came back in a very Pulisic esque uh, conundrum. They put him back put him back in the middle. He got a goal and three assists, two assists. Oh wow! Um, I think he had yeah he had two assists and then he had two assists assists. Um, MLS assists. Game. MLS assists indeed. Uh, and so it was, you know, everything that the U.S. did uh, went through him, and he was just fantastic. So, team looked, uh, team looked superb, and they have England in a semifinal on Ooh. a quarterfinal. Oh my gosh, quarterfinal on uh, Saturday morning. It's ten o'clock or ten thirty uh, Eastern. So early morn for the for the West Coast people. But the U. Seventeens, they 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 look good. And what what's most notable is that they. Pass well. They play one touch. They keep it on the ground. Um, what a see, concept. See the, what a novel fucking concept. What a novel concept. But the, but the reason, I mean, I guess there's probably a, a number of reasons why that's the case. A lot of it has to do with coaching, for sure. But a, another part of it is just the, these kids kind of started doing it that way, and that's just the way that they do it now. <laughs> Speaking to the, to the cultural questions, like I don't think you can take a bunch of kids who want to play it long. You can't take a bunch of 30-year-olds who want to play it long and, and lump it up to the big man and put them on the national team with Tata Martino and ha- expect them to be playing free-flowing <laughs> that's right. soccer. These, it's these that kids they've are just been like playing that. this way. Yeah, they're just like so. that. They'll sink or swim like that, and that's really cool. Exactly. Um, and and once again, so much credit to Tab, man. I mean, Tab is so part of this vision, is he not? Who's the actual coach of that U seventeen right now? John Hackworth. John Hackworth. He's he's had the seventeens for the last couple uh, cycles. Okay, and what's his deal? What's his approach? What's his, what's his history? And then and then we'll we'll probably head on out. This has been fun, huh? A meandering sode. Oh, meandering sode. No Rasta. No hopes. No fears. Yeah, we're just Whatever. out here. We out here. We out here. Hashtag playing pickup. Um, <laughs> pickup punditry. More balls, guys. More balls. And uh, so, uh, John Hackworth. I don't know if he's ever been an MLS coach. I think he's been around MLS, and he's been around U.S. soccer for a long time. And he's kind of settled into a niche as this like specialist with with this age group. So there there have been some calls for him to to move up. Um, you know, to the there's the classic conundrum of. Do you stick with a group of kids yeah. as they progress through yeah. the system, or do you <laughs> stick with an age? 
And I think he the the uh, preference has been for for him to stick with an age because I think he just works well with with uh, this this level. Um, and you know the the most important thing that he's done with them is just like straightforward four three three one touch. Let's let's break with pace. Let's defend really well. Um, <laughs> sounds so basic, but but it's not the, though. The it's a big deal, a you know. The, the, yeah. Like as you said, and and in order to instill that kind of stuff, you got to start young. It's cool to yeah, see. Exactly. It's cool to see. So a little bit to be excited with, folks, with this under seventeens. Um, this this might be painful, but Ty, what's next for the senior Nats? What's the next time we're gonna get together? The under twenty eight team uh, has a, a friendly against Portugal coming up. Uh, that, that's going to be one of the slots in November, um, and I would expect another another friendly to be um, announced as well. That's going to be in Portugal, so I would presume the other friendly will also be in, in Europe somewhere. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing the, the U-28s in action. <laughs> yeah. U-28s, Should be a lot guys. of new faces, let's hope. Yeah, I would love... Let's, let's just... Ju- just don't acknowledge... The fact that it is a senior camp. Just call it the U28s the and maybe that'll, that'll affect the, the universe in some way. Yeah. Like, have you heard that theory where, like, uh, if someone else has solved a crossword, yes, I have heard it's this. easier for you to solve it even if you've never interacted with them? Yeah. Yeah, so we just solved it a little bit for you for you guys in the, uh, in the Federation up there in your high towers, in your castles. We just helped you, so maybe you can tap in psychically, or maybe you could actually just literally fucking listen to us because it's a podcast on the internet. Uh, folks, True. thank you for joining us. Uh, we love you so much. This is possible because you're with us, and uh, we're going to figure this all out. It's going to be a crazy journey, and we got a long way to go. Uh, but, you know, we the peeps ain't going nowhere, and I know you the peeps ain't going nowhere. So uh, it is what it is. Do we, we want to do some hopes and fears? Real quick before we uh, dip on out. I think that the, the most appropriate fear in this uh, sode is that nothing changes. Because I, I don't think that yeah. we need to, you know, clean house and have an entirely new leadership in charge of U.S. soccer or anything like that. I think that those folks who are making those decisions need to reevaluate the overall strategy from the ground up as to how we're going to accomplish this this goal. Um, but it, it would be so easy to just kind of make it to the World Cup and then just like start another cycle as if nothing had ever happened. And that, that is missing the world cup does not dent my enthusiasm for the team, but if we just keep going and we don't solve some of these systemic problems that are holding us back, that will dent my enthusiasm for this team. Um, because I, I, I don't see how we're ever going to not be a round of 16 team unless these things change. We need to see some change. We need to see some, some shaken up shit. And hey, who knows? Maybe it won't even come from the leadership. Maybe it'll come from the kids. Maybe it'll come from Polisic. Maybe it'll come from folks that we don't even know yet, who aren't even in the picture yet. Stick with us. We'll break it all down together. I got to hope. Mm-hmm. Today, folks, it is raining in Seattle. And I, I don't mind it. You know, I moved to Seattle knowing what I was getting myself into, and I quite, I quite uh, like that fogginess, but I do hope that this week it clears up and gets super sunny so that I can go out and stretch my legs out and play some fucking pickup. That's my hope, is that the weather turns Hashtag around play here in pickup. Seattle. And so, so I can get some pickup going. Guys, uh, I, I, I love myself a lazy morn, you know. Stay wrapped up in a blanket for a couple hours, uh, you know. Play, play some phone apps, lazy morn it out. You know, play some lo-fi beats out of my laptop. I love that. While playing pickup. <laughs> While playing pickup. <laughs> uh, I love barbecuing with the friends out back and, and uh, you know, get, getting some different meats going, even some vegetarian options going for the vegetarian friends while Ooh. playing some pickup. <laughs> and, I, I, and I definitely uh, super love buying a brand new... Uh, ballpoint pen with which to write my mm. thoughts, ideas, and mm. uh, formations. But I don't love any <laughs> of that shit. As much as I love the Nats, let's go, boys. Forever and always. Forever and always. More balls. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. Well, why, why do you say that?
because MLS doesn't want to be a selling league. MLS wants to be the NFL. But wouldn't they want to be a selling league if they were making twelve million from Nagby instead of one point five million? This is this is stuff that happens because individual people have the freedom to uh, follow their own incentives, and so we need to incentivize kids to get involved in the game. We need to incentivize youth teams to develop those kids. We need to incentivize MLS to sell those players on so that they can improve, um, which would thereby incentivize people to actually watch <laughs> MLS. Well, yeah, and I, I think... <clears throat> yeah, so shall, shall we pod? Because I feel like... Let's pod. 